on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. We're back with another episode of Keep It, recorded live at South by Southwest, brought to you by TuneIn. Kara Lewis and I traveled to Austin, Texas for our first live show, and it was actually pretty fun. We had a lot of really great barbecue. We tried Torchy's Tacos for the first time, and we saw a lot of people who were excited to see Keep It's first live show. So coming up in this episode, we have a discussion about Bruno Mars, Rachel Dolezal, and American Idol. And after that, I'll have an interview with musicians Tegan and Sarah about the Netflix reboot of Queer Eye. Hi, um, I am Ira Madison III. I'm Kara. I'm Louis with seven S's. Uh, <laughs> imagine Ka from the Jungle Book saying it. The snake. Can't work a mic, can't work champagne bottles. Oh my oh. god. I'm never going to make it on The Voice. But never. the shirt is nice and tight today, <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't matter. Uh, we have an empty chair here because we're waiting for our guest, Omarosa. She is <laughs> she's running a little late. No, we're going to kick things off with the really fun conversation of, I guess, cultural appropriation. <laughs> it's big in the news every week um, when the Kardashians do something. But this week, it's about Bruno Mars and Rachel Dolezal and Katy Perry. Both are the kings of pop. <laughs> <laughs> um, first off, this week, uh, debates were sparked Yet again, I feel like this happens every week. Every week now with Bruno Mars. Um, whether or not Bruno Mars is culturally appropriating black culture. So let's end this once and for all we and already, have the combo. Right. Well, we already talked about this, if I recall. Clearly, everyone didn't hear the episode where we solved this for you around the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but, like, I feel like I remember saying I don't care. Like, he's not black, that's, which was also a thing. I think everyone didn't realize that Bruno Mars wasn't black. They're like, he's tan and he dances. Um, <laughs> but I just don't care about this. <laughs> There's something um, kind of interesting about appropriation claims leveled at him because he's from Hawaii. And I'm going to quote my friend uh, and USC pop culture professor, Karen Tonkson, who says... Hawaii is like an annexed territory. It's like we literally have forced our popular culture on Hawaii. Like they had no choice but to participate in like all of our music, all of our movies, whatever, the Philippines, et cetera. And it's like, it's weird to f <laughs> that we've forced like all this music on him and then we say you can't use any of it. It is what he grew up with though. You yeah, know? but he I also, mean, he is, he's doing like, I think it was, someone said it was like karaoke and he kind of is doing that very, very well. Like he is not a black person. He's doing like a bunch of extensive like James Brown like karaoke numbers like he really you know so it's just i don't know that this is the fight we need to be focusing on right now when rachel dolezal is out here with a damn documentary with her hair still braided like well she's releasing an album too so um <laughs> no i think the biggest thing about bruno mars is just the fact that there is 
obviously an appropriation of cultures and many things that we do, you know? Like, I swan about my apartment in, like, a silk robe that is from Japan, um, <laughs> not Japanese. Um, you know, um, people get angry, you know, when people go to some of their friends, you know, like, Indian weddings, and they dress up. Um, and you see those photos that was that levied at the hot person from Canada. Drake? Yes, sorry. Anne Murray? No. <laughs> um, but Who was it? I, it was Trudeau. Sorry, oh, oh. I forgot his name for a moment. Oh, okay. He's not our president. No. <laughs> Damn it. It's Donald Trump. It's always interesting to Maggot. talk about <laughs> appropriation of pop music, though, because I think it's one of those things where we did it casually for so many years. Where, like, we just allowed Madonna to be Asian four different times, and like, <laughs> it never became a big enough conversation why this was happening. You know, so we're, we're playing catch-up constantly on these yeah. sorts of things. Gwen Stefani escaped it. I yeah. mean, <laughs> incre- you look back at those photos, and it is like, how did no one say anything? We let her do that for, she literally just had like little Japanese girls following her around. In her suitcase. It was crazy. I believe the lyric in Harajuku Girls was, just wait till you get your little hand on L.A. It's like, oh my God, inf- infantilizing them. It was like, it couldn't have been worse. That's that I also love her. She looks to me a little bit like um, a claymation reindeer. I say that affectionately. A reindeer? You know, it's the kind of pointy, like the big, like kind of eyes like this. I always forget reindeer are real animals. No, right. Don't you, like they're every time around Christmas and I'm like, oh, they're not fake. Yeah. I assume they're like unicorns. The scientists call them caribou. That's why it's so oh, the super scientists confusing. Okay. Yes, right. Yeah. Our All friends, right. the scientists. Um, I think the ultimate thing is that Bruno isn't doing what Gwen Stefani was doing. You know, yeah. he's not carrying around. You know, like three tiny black people <laughs> <laughs> that he found dancing on the subway in Harlem. He's not doing like Justin Timberlake, you know, and harassing black women. His producers like are Janet. black. His, his dancers are, are black. black. He works, yeah. And also, he's always been upfront about his influences, too. It's not like he's saying, like, I've invented this R&B tradition here, you know? <laughs> like, when people say, uh, years ago, that song, Locked Out of Heaven, people would say he sounded like the police. He's like, I'm obsessed with the police. You know, he, and I think he's always been sort of a knowledgeable musician. And I think pop musicians now have to be smarter than they've ever been before about what they... Because everything sounds like everything now. Everything takes from past styles. And I feel like he's one of the just kind of cooler people in pop music. Well... A non-cool person who Carola was talking about is Rachel Dolezal. We talked about her a bit last night on Love It or Leave It, a little show you might have heard of on Cricket Media. Not that many people listen to it. But um, (laughs) Kara, Rachel Dolezal is back in the news. She has a Netflix documentary. Yeah. Thoughts? Um, I am so sick of this bitch. I (laughs) (laughs) I really thought we were done. I cannot believe this is happening. Her own children are like, really, mom? We're doing this again? She, again, like I said, her edges with the braids. I'm like, this wasn't made for you. I don't know. I, it's really disappointing. I, like I say with Amorosa, I do not think these people should be given attention. Netflix was really quick to be like, she didn't get paid. The film, you know, we don't pay documentary subjects, whatever. But she's obviously thinking that she can profit from this somehow or else she wouldn't do it because she has nothing to gain. So ultimately, she thinks this will help her, you know, make money or get back sort of 
whatever. She's going to become an Instagram, honey. <sighs> She's so going to be Tommy selling Tommy T. I know. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't even know. It's so exhausting. Um, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this, but I mean, her, as you basically just said, her son reads her to filth. Yeah, he's like, like, he's like, this isn't humiliating to me, mom. He goes, every one of your stunts backfires. It's really He's strange. like, I wish she hadn't said so many of the things she said. And she's just saying, they're like, yeah, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. She's not even, she's just like, people need hope. Right. I think she said something like, you shouldn't take hope away from people. Hope of what? Being a black woman? You should have that hope stripped from you. Yeah, right. No one, you- clearly we haven't stripped it far enough from you. I think also it's just, I feel, I question the intentions of this documentary because what is there to unpack? Like, we figured out her, the jig is up. Like, there's nothing left. It's, a, it's sort of like why I also am suspicious of a movie like I, Tanya, where they tried to put kind of like a woke spin on the proceedings when the fact is, no, you made this because it's a salacious story that people are obsessed with for, like, bad reasons. And you're trying to find a way for people to congratulate themselves for having watched it. Whereas it's just like this. It's like, there's nothing left. It's yeah. just, it's something she shouldn't have done, and that's it. Yeah. Who do you think is going to play Rachel when they do I, Black Woman? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, Black Woman. There's also no black The two filmmakers, it's a white woman and a black man. Of so course. there's no, of course. Of course. There's no black woman on earth who would have co-signed this shit. So you know there were no black women. <laughs> you know, none of them were at Netflix. You know, none of them, there were no camera went, women, none of them. No, there was not a black woman anywhere near this. Because someone would have been like, what are you doing? I know who should play Rachel Dolezal. James Franco. It just seems right. <laughs> He's going to get that now. <laughs> Burned him for disaster artist. <laughs> I got you. Uh, he did. He did. Um, Louis is funny sometimes. Uh, um, Indeed. And then we have Katy Perry this week as well. Um, do we? Yeah, okay, we do. Okay, All right. Okay, okay. It's either Omarosa or Katy Perry. Okay, get Katy in here. All right. Um, so Katy Perry is hosting American Idol which is coming back for some reason. Um, I think it was just on the air last week. <laughs> and it's coming back with new hosts. It is Katie. It's uh, Lionel Richie is uh, another judge and Luke Bryan, which mm-hmm. is a person with is two the, first names. Is he the country dude who raps? No, it's not. rap. Well, Isn't there one of the country guys who kind of raps? I associate- Uncle Cracker? <laughs> Maybe. I think he's new. But along that vein... <laughs> He's just in the, I feel like in around 2002, all of male country music agreed to just dress like they work at Pacific Sunwear. Like it's very like black t-shirt and then straight leg wash jeans every time. Like Keith Urban, think about him for a moment. He's dressed in the same mall gear for a generation. (laughs) Katie is back on the show and she is, not back on the show, I mean she's on the show now. And they released a clip of the show which has her interacting with a gay fan who says wig to her and she responds did you just say wig and they have this interaction where she says oh this language is just for us not for you luke bryan or lionel richie and after this is after they ask what the hell is going on here like they have no they can't interpret it at all. They've never heard of snatching wigs, let alone edges. So, <laughs> um, so obviously some people were like, Katy Perry, this language isn't actually for you. And here she goes inserting herself into gay culture again. Does she do that a lot? 
she does it a lot. I feel like I've, for- I feel she, like I've forgotten. She brought like drag queens to do her SNL performance. Um, she inappropriately, after Pink gave an emotional speech at the VMAs last year, mm-hmm. um, ripped off a blonde wig and said, I am shooketh. You snatched no. my wig. Okay. Okay. I don't remember that. <laughs> I think she's a, the weird case of a pop star who has had a few missteps. Like at the beginning of her career, she had a song called You're So Gay and You Don't Even Like Boys is the name of the song. Which at the time, the first time I'd ever heard of Katy Perry was Madonna saying she was a big fan of that song. I get all my news through Madonna. Is that a problem? <laughs> um, uh, and I, that, it felt a little too familiar, a little too like you, you're using the word gay in a way. Like you, you think you're cool with us, so you, you're using it this way. That said, I do feel like in general we are a little bit hard on Katy Perry. I feel like she routinely does her homework. I think she's messed up. Like when she performed as a geisha one time, like again, bad. Let's not What's be geisha. What's the video where she had yeah. like a finger wave and like grill? She did a Rachel she did some wild. Yeah. She's done in some the, wild shit. This is how we do video. Right. It makes me really wonder because she and Rihanna used to be like best friends. And I'm like, maybe Rihanna doesn't fuck with her anymore because Rihanna, she wouldn't be pulling that shit if Rihanna was still hanging out with her. She wouldn't be like, hey, Rihanna, check out this video of me with my grill. So maybe the key is don't ever piss off Rihanna and you won't make any mistakes. That should be the end of an Aesop's fable. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me say this about American Idol, by the way. I actually saw the first episode. I would say she's not only the best judge on the panel, but it makes the show feel relevant again. Because I think something that got away from American Idol is judges who understand what it's like to be a a 16 year old or a 17 year old they had a, the, the last time it was on the judges were jennifer lopez and keith urban of pacific sunwear and uh who's the other one harry connick jr and i feel like they would only give them critiques in the vein of like pitch level which is not interesting for me to watch whereas Katy perry to me i think interacts with teenagers all day on twitter and she makes the show feel fun and kind of vivified again i used to love american i don't know if, i don't know if you guys did but they don't yeah <laughs> I actually did used to like American Idol. I watched it for multiple seasons. I feel like I stopped around the time something called Ali DeWise happened. That's right, yes. Yeah. No, eventually they just started giving men who have seen a guitar before the title <laughs> for no, no reason. This is maybe unpopular, but I liked it when Simon was there because I liked when he was mean. He was so bitchy, and he was right a lot. Like, he wasn't, he, he was mean, but I was like, not wrong about, like, she can't sing. You're correct. And I liked the, I didn't, like, the bad auditions, you could tell when it started to become very, like, scripted and, like, you were just cherry-picking people. But, like, those first two or three seasons, when they were just getting randos and Simon and his tight tees was just being mean and British, I loved that. I don't think any human being has worn more Henleys than Simon Cowell. <laughs> I don't know if, they, if Guinness keeps track of things like that, but... Also, um, Ryan Seacrest is back. That's a problem. Too. Oh, That's he is. Problem. Oh, I he, forgot he about is. that. Um, straight from his MTE carpet to <laughs> American Idol. I don't know. Keep him away from the female contestants. That's. I wonder what they're going to do. I didn't even... Of course, I didn't think of that. I haven't thought about American no, Idol. No. Um, a producer came out in People and said that they've worked with Ryan since the first season of American Idol, and he's been nothing but great. And I think... That's all the PR American Idol is going to do <laughs> about him. 
Also, I just hate updates like that. Like, who cares that he was nice to somebody? That doesn't say anything about the problems we have with him. Kelly Regard- Ripa. Yeah, right. Kelly. Yes, exactly. Okay, he's not going to attack you, Kelly. What the hell are you talking about? Mark Consuelos would kill him, for one. Um, he's all two. jacked up on Riverdale right now. Like... Wrestling teenagers. Right. <laughs> um, plus... I feel like Kelly Ripa's is the one that annoyed me the most, though. Yeah. Because when Kelly Ripa defended Ryan Seacrest, she basically gave, like, um, she gave that speech Oprah gave when she was asked if she and Gail had a lesbian relationship. (laughs) Oprah, when she was like, Gail is, like, the sister I wish I had, the mother everyone should have. I don't know a better person. I don't know a better person. (laughs) And that was Kelly. She was like grabbing his hand. It seems like she had tears in her eyes. Like, don't rip another co-host away from me. That's really really what she was feeling. She was like, Regis left. Um, Michael left me high and fucking dry. She took a parachute out of that room. (laughs) She's like, Uh, I can't do this like round robin of new hosts again. Yeah, I feel you on that girl. But, you know. No, it's weird, though. I mean, like, uh, obviously they filmed the editions of American Idol and the Hollywood Week rounds months ago. So they can't, I don't know if, if it's possible to edit out Ryan Seacrest, who also does the narration for all those episodes. Yeah, I'm curious how, what they're going to do moving forward, because it's too uncomfortable for me to leave him back in the show. It would be hard for, it'll be hard for me, a zealot fan of American Idol, which is just weird to admit. Um, to keep watching. But didn't I tell you, I was like, he's going to be fine. Like, when I saw him on the e-carpet, I was like, because he, what they said, right, like, they did the investigation, and one of them, they were like, we didn't see anything wrong with they it They did an internal investigation and found that nothing, you know, happened. Yeah. Um, I was also given, I wrote an article about it for the Daily Beast. And Do you work given, at the Daily Beast? Huh? You, you work at the Daily Beast? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was just, like, a job title, Kara. It wasn't even a brag. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, I wrote an article and um, I was given a statement from NBC Universal about like the whole situation. And they were like, just so you know, the woman who was harassed allegedly was not fired. When Ryan left his post at E, her services were, quote, no longer needed. And so I she said, was so, fired. I said, so she was let go. Yeah. And I said, her services were no longer needed. I'm like, all right, I don't need your Miranda Priestly spin <laughs> right now. Um, it's just very murky. They, every response to what Ryan did sounds like Olivia Pope, like, wrote down a statement for them to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think he's also, honestly, he's too valuable to ABC, to E. I mean, he now is doing the American Idol and. What is it? Kelly and Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of money. He's very valuable to them. Like, they're not going to let him go without a fight. And I think we're seeing that. When we're back, it's Lewis versus an audience member. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand... That was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. 
And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have it always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Ooh, it's very ominous. I played a win. All right, so we're back. Um, Lewis has been getting, you know, a lot of headlines, like he's Adam Rippon, um, for his Oscar trivia knowledge. So, we're going to play a game with Lewis and an audience member um, who wants to test some Oscar trivia with Lewis. Don't oh, wow. af- do, do not be afraid. Oh, I see. Sense, sense some excitement over here. Yeah. <laughs> Are we very excited? I'm super excited. All right. Okay, let's do it. I lost to Lewis with Google. I just want everyone to remember that. I had a full-on laptop in front of me. Couldn't type the words quick enough before this one had it. So, Godspeed. I I can't see your name tag. What's your name? My name is Tribble. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Lovely to meet you. Where are you visiting from? I'm from Chicago. Okay. So am I. Listen to you. But not a cool suburb. Not like a cool John Hughes Home Alone suburb. I'm from like... Borderline Joliet prison suburbs. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to go ahead and go into this. There's not a prize. I don't Uh, know anything about the Oscars, so... It's it's fine, you know. It doesn't matter. Good. It'll be fun. I I have a good feeling about this. I think you'll do well. Yeah. Lewis. Oh, here it comes. We'll start with an easy question for you. 
Uh, this is just for me. Okay. Best Supporting Actor, uh-huh. 1965. Uh, Martin Balsam, A Thousand Clowns. Great. Who was the former father-in-law of George Clooney, the Best Supporting Actor winner of 2005. I didn't ask all that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your Oscar trivia question. <laughs> he lives on Sesame Street. Oscar, the Grouch. Correct. It's one to one. He also thrives on Sesame Street, not just lives. Do you know he used to be orange? Oscar the Grouch when he started out was orange. Okay, listen. We only need Oscar trivia from you, Lewis. Come on. Save it for the nights when you update Wikipedia. I know people who do that. That actually hit close to home. Okay. Best picture. Okay. 1970. Uh, Patton, which is, I think, the last best picture winner I've not seen. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah and it Patton. beat Love Story, which is the worst best picture nominee ever. Have you ever seen that movie? With Ryan O'Neill, who is among the most disgusting celebrities who ever lived, <laughs> who accidentally hit on his own daughter at like a funeral they were both attending. Anyway, Tatum O'Neill's a goddess, but moving on. <laughs> True. Look it up. It's a disgusting story. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's two points for you. Your question. He plays Poe Dameron in Star Wars. Oscar... Who? Oscar Eisenstein. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair pronunciation of Isaac. <laughs> he just turned 39. <laughs> Oscar Eisenstein is how he... <laughs> Is what he put on his resume when he auditioned for a Coen Brothers movie. (laughs) (laughs) Never seen a Latino in one of those. Better better add a Jewish name. (laughs) Um, All right. Lewis, best actress, 2017. Oh, that would be this year? Frances McDormand. All right. Her second best actress won her fifth nomination. (laughs) God, my dream job would be saying the stuff as they walk to the podium like this is this is her fifth nomination and she also looks great that feels super achievable yeah someone does that thank you like you that's your dream that. job yeah just that's talk, a real yeah. achievable goal you could like tweet someone and get that job that's probably you live in true. la yeah i would start with like three statistics in a row and then something shady you know like do you have that much time they're getting up there she's in the front row she's up there kind of quick Two yeah. wins, five nominations should have been Sally Hawkins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your question. Ready. A famous Dominican American fashion designer. Oscar De La Renta. Woo! There you go. Wow. We are. I'm catching on to what these answers should yeah. be now. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Um, we are three three. Oh my! This is a grudge match. Is this it? <laughs> um, no, we have um, the next one, which is best live action short subject. Oh, this bastard. 1971. Ma- live action short subject. I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> um, uh, Ryan O'Neill, actually, who's not that tall. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's the resurrection of Bronco Billy. All right. <laughs> which they always make you watch in school. Yeah. <laughs> It's a shame I didn't know that one. All right. Well, you lost one. I did. Um, your question. Is this for the win? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to... I'm vulnerable. The, take, the take advantage up. of this. Yeah. I'm out of Oscars. Uh, I don't know anybody else named Oscar. I think you do. Okay. <laughs> All right. If you get this one, you win 
Oh, a tune-in shirt. There is a prize. I conjured one out of thin air. Um, he created a meat and cold cut company most famous for its hot dogs. I'm going to go with Oscar Mayer. All right. Uh, How's it feel to lose? This is the one thing I'm good at, and you take it away from me. <laughs> I don't have many friends. You're wearing those jeans, though. That's true. Yeah, so yeah, you got those, that. Those I got this are, snatched waist. Those <laughs> jeans are so tight, they are your really close friends. That's right, yes. Um, <laughs> Beautiful work over there. I didn't really Rita have a good... Rudner with her one-liners over there. <laughs> Didn't really have a good joke there, but, you know, let's just decide to go with it. We're going to take a break, and when we're back, keep it. (laughs) Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a this summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now it's time for the part of the show that we all love. It's when we say what we don't like this week and what we're going to say, keep it to. For those of you who don't know what keep it means, it basically means no thanks. I don't want this other words that I won't say because I think we're live and we should not be swearing here. Lewis, what are you going to say keep it to this week? Okay, this is sort of a complicated keep it. You guys all play uh, HQ, the trivia app? I feel like the host of that, uh, Scott Rogowski, gets a lot of flack for being annoying and I want to say keep it to people who dwell on that because if you're familiar with the app, it's a 12-question game in which you play on your phone and uh, it's 12 multiple-choice questions And it's the glitchiest app ever. So this guy is basically forced to vamp constantly. And I feel like it's disingenuous to call him annoying for doing 10 run-on punny jokes in a row. Which is annoying. Okay. super annoying. (laughs) Moving on. When it's like he has to say something and he doesn't ever sound like he's run out of things to say. So I actually think he does a really good job at that show. And also I want to say that HQ for a multiple choice trivia app, if you know anybody who's obsessed with trivia... Multiple choice is just not that exciting a format. You want to like be able to pull the answer out of thin air, right? It's more fun. Like nobody on Jeopardy is like, give me a multiple choice, right? No, these are actual eggheads who want to be challenged. For this kind of format, I think the questions are amazing. If you watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, nobody wins a million dollars anymore. Why? Because when they get to like the twenty thousand dollar question, the question's like, how many fourth graders does it take to fill up the White House? And it's just like, like four random numbers. It's like nobody would ever know that. Whereas I think every question on HQ is fair and gets people really excited about trivia. So I'm a huge fan and I would love his job if they're giving it up. I would rather you than him. Thank you. He's so annoying. I don't want to carry Lewis around <laughs> in my phone. <laughs> Getting regular announcements that you're about to come on. Right. With my material about <laughs> trivia. Yes. Kara, what are you saying keep it to? So, there is a hippo 
named Fiona, who I love. And she, she was at the Cincinnati Zoo, and she's brand new, and she's great and, like, plucky and is in her tank and is doing things and is wonderful. There's this other hippo at the San Antonio Zoo named Timothy who tweeted at Fiona today <laughs> saying, are you looking for a boyfriend? And first of all, I don't like when people do this shit like animals are talking to each other. Neither, they're not tweeting. The hippo is not asking Fiona this. But also, she's one year old. Back off. Time is up. No thank you, Timothy. <laughs> and I really love Fiona, too, so I want her protected from these creeps. We all got to deal with it. All yeah. of us ladies. I wish, like, Coco the gorilla tweeted, this feels like a very misogynistic conversation to me. <laughs> What's your keep it, Ira? What is my keep it? I feel like I have two. Because one, um, I started to say on Love It or Leave It, but, you know, people really wanted to hear about Ari the Bachelor. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm done talking about that man. I don't watch <laughs> white seasons of The Bachelor if they decide to cast someone, you know, ethnic again, like Rachel, I will watch, yeah. obviously. Um, Won't be they, next season. I was going to say, they do this, I think, once every 20 seasons, so invite your grandkids. Right. <laughs> grandkids? Who knows what your life's going to, what turns it'll take. <laughs> In 20 years? You never know. All right. Um, my first one is suitcases with batteries. Um, <laughs> anyway, my actual keep it this week is about Gary Altman. I feel like I talk about him a lot, and I'm tired of talking about him. Uh, His publicist is tired of me talking about him. But he was back in the news again after winning the Oscar. Obviously, we all know that during his divorce, his ex-wife alleged that he hit her with a phone. And, you know, he's also had instances where he was in Playboy. He was interviewed in Playboy, and he defended Mel Gibson's, um, like, racist and... Um, homophobic and anti-Semitic rants. With, with something like, we all talk crazily behind the scenes. or yeah, It was something you know. very roundabout and strange. Um, so he basically pulled a Casey Affleck and sort of ignored all of this during, you know, the Academy Awards season because he wanted to keep scooping up his wins. And he finally won. He won his Oscar. And when Casey Affleck won his Oscar, he went away. When Gary Oldman won his Oscar, he had his son pen an open letter to the media saying that the media was being mean to his father and that his mother was a liar. Woof. Jesus. <laughs> this is real. Yeah, this is real. Uh, and I just feel like nobody needed to know all that. I feel like no one needed to involve your son in this. I guess the son is old enough to have penned this letter and, like, be out there. But I just feel like you already won your Oscar. You already won, yeah. You already won. So, like... What difference does it make now? Why are you dredging this up now when the son could have done this during award season and we could have had a real conversation about it, but you decided to do it after you've got the award and now... Also... There's nothing to really do about it anymore. Like, addressing the media... Is very like Trump at like the media, all of them. Who are you talking about? Who are you talking to? He's talking to me, mostly. <laughs> um, no, and every other place started picking it up too. I don't know. I was just very uncomfortable with the fact that like. But that's interesting because you think about. I think we said that with like Jeffrey Tambor, where it's like you have had a very long career. I'm sure you have a lot of money. Take your shit and go. It's done. Like you're off the show. Just go and shut up and be quiet and like accept that. This is not happening for you anymore. Like, Gary Oldman, you won your Oscar. Like, you got over. 
Just take it. Can't you be happy with that? I like, can only trust Gary Oldman's son. I, I can only deem him trustworthy if he also apologizes for the fact that his dad won over Timothy Chalamet. Because that was an actual nuanced performance no one was expecting. What Gary Oldman did in Darkest Hour, which is like a two-and-a-half-star costume drama, um, I describe it as auditioning for Mad TV. Just like slamming and being he upset. He put on the like stay-puffed marshmallow suit. Yeah. And he's like shaking chairs and yelling about bombs and Dunkirk, I think, because it's the same plot. Right. Or, I don't know. It was a crossover episode of Dunkirk. That's right. (laughs) I saw 10 minutes of The Darkest Hour, and I turned it off. Um, When we're back, an audience Q&A. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back. Um... (laughs) If anyone here has questions, they want to ask any of us, and we will answer them. It can be about anything, really. It doesn't have to be about podcasting. It can be about, we can give you advice. <laughs> Lewis can tell you where he gets his jeans. <laughs> Hi. Hi, how's it going? Um, I was introduced to the podcast a little bit late. My cousin turned me on to it, and I've been a big fan ever since the last few weeks. There's, there's only been, there's like only been 10 it's episodes. Only, yeah, yeah. You're not <laughs> so, well, so I was wondering if I had missed it or if you guys could tell us how you guys kind of found each other and came to work together. Oh, oh, cool. Well, I was thinking about starting a podcast, and Lewis started showing up my door every oh, yeah. day and saying, <laughs> let me on it. Uh, um, no, I... Um, I got involved with Cricket Media about a year ago when I appeared on uh, my former MTV News colleague, Anna Marie Cox's podcast, and hers is with friends like these. And from doing that show, um, I did a guest appearance on Love or to Leave It. And after that, uh, John and I wanted to work together, so we started developing a show, Keep It, over the summer. And eventually, um, we just started, like, I started doing, like, chemistry tests of people, you know, um, who we could work with. And I loved working with Lewis. And I wanted Kara on the show, honestly, but she was working on Gronish at the time. And then Gronish went on a hiatus that it's still on. Uh, so I made her be on the show. Yeah, I did love uh, it or leave it. She did love it or leave it. She hated podcasts before. Yeah. She yeah. did love it or leave it. And then she had fun. And then when she was drunk... At an after party, <laughs> I said, be on Keep It. And she said, yes. That's kind of it. Because yeah. I also, when I did Love It or Leave It, I was not confident that my... It was like a lot of like white dudes. And I was like, I don't know, guys, if you're going to find this funny, what I'm offering. But it went well. The three yeah. of us also were in the same kind of racket for years of writing for various websites. Uh, she's a Jezebel writer. He had written for MTV. Now he writes for the Daily Beast. I wrote for a bunch of sites that were once great and now don't exist. But they were great. <laughs> And so when, you're, when you uh, write on the sites like that, you are inevitably on Twitter all day. So uh, I would see them constantly retweeted, and sometimes they were amusing, which is all I need. So, Anyone else? Oh, hi. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm a big fan. Hi, Lindsay. Um, so you guys have this platform where you're allowed to rant 
be outspoken, give your perspective, no holds bar. Have you ever maybe regretted a moment or wish you could reel yourself back in at a certain time, anything? Well, that's what editing's for. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had said something when I did Love It or Leave It. I didn't threaten Paul Ryan, but I I, I think I said, like, I wouldn't mind if... Someone else perhaps threatened Paul Ryan. And John on stage was like, I'm going to edit that out for you. And I was like, keep it in there. I don't care. Come at me, trolls. Um, but no, he totally edited it out. Yeah. So there's, that's helpful. It's for, it's for the better. I once had to flee to Europe <laughs> when I made a joke about Jeff Sessions. So um, sometimes reel it in. I think about that, though, when I look at my writing on Jezebel, because I was with Jezebel for three years. And I think ultimately, like, if I had to, I think I could defend like 87% of it I think is like cool and stuff that I really think I could defend even if I'm being you know like rude or whatever like I it's stuff that if put in front of you know if I had to I could defend this and the rest of it is just stupid but I think that's also part of like the internet where you're like there's going to be dumb things that you've said or done there and not a lot to be done. Particularly <laughs> in the jobs that we've had. Yeah. You know, like when you're working for a site where you have to like basically be like a hot take machine every day. And the reason I really love Keep It is that, you know, each week we talk about the topics that interest us. And, you know, we have like a thoughtful sort of like nuanced conversation about it as opposed to getting an email like this celebrity just did this, you know, like can you write about it in an hour? And then you write up something dumb, and it's like, you know, you see it months later, and you're like, why did I have that stupid take? It's like, oh, because I only had 20 minutes to think about it before I started writing. Yeah. The most backlash I've ever gotten for anything, I mean, like, when you write about famous people, I feel like most of the people who come at you on Twitter are, like, particular fans of that celebrity, but, like, you need to be open to that. Like, I'm very particular about who I am obsessed with, and I'm sure everybody else is too, and I think we should necessarily be at war about that all the time. Years ago, I recapped SNL for a site called TV Line, uh, by, which is a site by Michael Osiello, and uh, Justin Timberlake had hosted, and, I mean, for like five weeks in a row, all we talked about was Justin Timberlake, but his humor is just not for me. It just feels super fratty. It feels super prom king ask, like, you're being almost, like, coerced into finding him funny because he finds himself so funny. That was the only time I, I saw people on Twitter making accounts to threaten me because they were so obsessed with Justin Timberlake as a comedian, which is so wild. Like, I get it if you were into his music or whatever. What year um, was that? I'm gonna, it's got to be, like, six years ago. I'd say 2012. Because that was pre-the internet realizing it's okay to dislike right. Justin Timberlake. What I'm, yeah, what I'm saying is I'm revolutionary and a trendsetter, <laughs> and people were just catching up. <laughs> So I haven't regretted anything that much yet, but stay tuned. Yeah. Anyone else? Um, you know, obviously podcasting has been around for a while, but I think it's clear that over the last couple of years, it's, it's really taken hold. It's, we've kind of had a bit of a, I don't know if it's a renaissance or a resurgence, but can you point to anything culturally, politically, something specific that you think has really driven that and really driven interest in, in the medium as a whole? I think sort of what Kara and I were talking about with, you know, like delivering like hot takes for like a Jezebel or a Daily Beast, I think a lot of people are just sort of exhausted with that sort of analysis of the news and culture at large. You know, you have cable news too, you know, after just the people, they talk about nonsense all day, you know, like you, 
if you follow a podcast that you like and you know that every week they're talking about something that they're interested in and you're interested in, you know it's not going to be like Don Lemon holding up a sign that says, is cracker a bad word? Um, you know, it's the, like, the cable news and everything, like, they constantly have to churn out stuff every day. And a lot of it's going to be dumb. Um, and I think people are just sort of reaching a point where they want their news to be a bit more filtered, particularly to their, you know, liking and their um, senses, but also just they want something that's more produced. It feels more comfortable. Well, I also, because I did not listen to podcasts, as he said, I found, I was like, I don't feel like listening to these two people just talk for, and I would see things, it's like 90 minutes, and I'm like, are you crazy? I'm not listening to that. But now it feels like, like the idea of something being produced and like thoughtful and like, you know, we sat down and are making sure that this makes sense as opposed to just like, I think initially when I was like not on podcasts like years ago, I was just like, it's just these people. I don't care about these people talking about nothing. And the idea of like, this is very tailored and like, like you said, like more thoughtful. I am starting, I'm getting there. I'm coming around to podcasts. I think also just, because you're constantly bombarded with news and you spend, I think, most of your day, your work day, like an average Monday, by yourself, you want to be listening to people like on the way to work, at work, who are just making sense of things. It's like really calming after you've been bombarded with headlines all day necessarily. Everybody, you know, every, I'm about to sound 80 years old. Everybody's on their phones. So nope, even if you're not paying attention to the news, somebody else is. And they will tell you what's happening. So I think podcasts are sort of like having you know, sort of a whisper in your ear, you know, making sense of things, making sense of that bombardment constantly. It's a conversation with friends when you don't have any friends around. How about that? Some of us. Yeah, right, for now. <laughs> yes. Thank you all for coming to listen to Keep It. <laughs> when we're back, an interview with Tegan and Sarah. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Everyone's been talking about Netflix's reboot of Queer Eye. Like, can Anthony actually cook? And what was up with that weird episode about the police? To discuss it with me, I'm joined by Tegan and Sarah. I'm very excited because I have two people here that I love. Tegan and Sarah. Hi. Hi. What what kind of love are we talking about when, when you say the word love? I enjoy your music. Okay. I enjoy you as people. Yeah. Like you <laughs> Real have, love. You have like strong feelings yeah, for us. Like actual feelings. Like yeah. when I see you, I genuinely like to see you. <laughs> um, I don't know if I would like so liberally throw around love, oh, but like I mean, yeah. I really care about you. Sarah's, you know. show, Sarah's showing her true colors when right does, now. <laughs> when does friendship feelings turn into love feelings? I just don't know. <laughs> You're a regular Carrie Bradshaw today. <laughs> so you're rewatching that show yeah. and there's another show that's back that yeah. I think 
everybody is surprised it's good. It is good. Queer Eye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think anybody was expecting it to be <laughs> as emotional as it is, but yeah. I've cried through three episodes. It's yeah. so many tears for me. That's like how me. we got into it. Our mom, we have like a family WhatsApp, mm-hmm. and she posted like that her and her partner Michael that they'd been crying all night watching the show and how tremendous it was and then she proceeded to go to all the other chats we have because we have multiple chats on WhatsApp with different family and friend groups with her on it so I watched the first episode and bawled but I want to say this it's good crying because like in a time where we're crying for so many terrible (laughs) terrible reasons and so upset and anxious all of us collectively it's a good cry it's like a real cry it's a reminder that Actually, most people are real and soft and good, and people just want to be loved. <laughs> right. I think what's interesting about the last show is before it was just sort of like a show with like introducing gay people to the world. So right. it was just like I never wacky, it. and it was like it was fine. But I think this <laughs> one is about like gay people are in the world, and yeah. Like yeah. now what can you learn from them? Yeah, it's interesting too because there was a whole sort of early first sort of generation of shows like Queer Eye that Mm -hmm. I didn't like because I often found they were mean Mm -hmm. and either they were mean about themselves like playing up stereotypes about queer people or whatever people in fashion whatever and then also mean to the people who they were trying to change or Mm -hmm. impact and the thing that immediately struck me when I started watching the show last night was how kind and empathetic and like how conscious everyone seems to be about making sure that they're building up self-esteem that they're talking about self-love and that to me was so remarkable whether you're looking at the guy who's obviously like a trump supporter Mm -hmm. or you're looking at like this somewhat closeted black gay guy who's basically like he's just looking for like someone to say like you're beautiful and you're amazing and you don't have anything to apologize for like get out there with your beautiful body like you know and i think to myself like there are probably so many of us who just are looking for someone to tell us that we're okay and that we deserve to feel love and deserve to feel good. And this show, I mean, to me, seems like, you know, the kind of like reality show 2.0, but now better, much better. Yeah. It would be interesting to touch on, too, is the episode where the at the beginning they get pulled over by the cop. Like... That was ridiculous. That episode, that's that's the only, for me, the big misstep so far on the yeah, show. Yeah, it was, the, it was, it was like, wacky. It was like, yeah. oh, here's the five gay guys in the car, and they get pulled over by a cop. And then, oh, wait, twist, the cop is, like, in on it, it, into the reality thing. I'm like, oh, getting pulled over by the cops isn't funny. It's not funny, and it shouldn't. I felt that was, I just want to say, because I feel like I'm really putting a lot of praise on the show, and I do really love it, and I think it's great. But I think that while I appreciate that they, maybe they were trying to, engineer a discussion between the cops well between the guy that they were trying to transform and his friend who are cops and the one black character like I just was well not character one black guy on the show like I was like I can almost go to this place where I understand what they might have been trying to do but if they were authentically unaware that they were about to be pulled over I thought that was like a really bad move yeah I think that like the producers like that just went too far it's like unreal. It was like unreal. It was, <laughs> so which I also love that show. But whoa, did their second season go <laughs> yeah. off the rails? But like, I just felt like that was the, the engineering of that moment was wrong. It just, mm-hmm. it was. There could have been an easier way to have that conversation without having to make everyone so clearly uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and also sort of lightheartedly make it seem like, see, cops pull over black guys, and then they're joking. You know, right. like I didn't. There's like that, that weird at all. thing where like there's been this meme of like cops 
pulling over people sometimes and but then it's like actually we baked you a cake because oh we're trying to like God. create good relations with <laughs> no. cops and the community it's like don't no. pull me over how about just don't pull me over <laughs> send me a cake oh my god yeah. have a block party yikes. <laughs> yikes it was just that was the one big misstep i thought and i just i wanted to just throw it out there because i thought that it, it sucked and it was weird because even did the anyone else conversation so sorry. So sorry. The, i was gonna say the conversation did evolve over the, i was like if they don't go back to that moment and discuss it I don't even know if I'm going to get through this episode and so mm-hmm. I was glad they eventually touched on you know probably why that whole thing was engineered in the first place but yeah I, the rest of the show I have feel has been really great has been mm-hmm. really sensitive did it occur to either of you when you were watching because I thought right away I was like why is there not a show like this for lesbians yeah, yeah I was mm-hmm. going to say that too well even thinking about the reboot now I was like um, where's like a trans character too yeah you know, I'm like. Look, I mean, this is the problem the with LGBTQ content, though, is is that we always try to be everything to everyone, we do. and it's like it's okay. You're the gay. Yeah, yeah. It's like so. it's yeah. I just I just had a, a proper moment where I was like, I think lesbians have a lot. I mean, there's a lot of fashion icons and a lot of really like you know mm-hmm. well dressed and interesting lesbians, and then you must think, I mean like all the other categories of like health and fitness and feeling good and all the rest of it I was like yeah. why can't they pull something like what this together what would be even funnier is if it was like instead of it trying to be like a modernized version just like what if it was like all stereotype lesbian like <laughs> like they like they actually walk you back from where you know like where maybe where you are like they're like you're too mm-hmm. modern and we can't tell that you're queer and so we've changed your we've changed your closet <laughs> it's all plaid it's all work boots um, we're gonna take your long hair we're gonna cut it back into Ugh, the military come, I want I want them to come and have that conversation with me because I would be so much happier <laughs> if I could just go back to that ease yeah that's what I thought about no but speaking of LGBT women mm-hmm. um, that is what the Tegan and Sarah Foundation Mm-hmm. Is for yeah. Um, tell me a bit about how you two created it and why. I guess. Well, we decided in 2016 to start the Tegan and Sarah Foundation, mostly to kind of elevate the activism and the you know sort of raising of funds that we already had been doing. I think because all of a sudden we were a bigger band and we had a little more visibility with our last record, there was a lot of requests coming in from a pretty wide range of organizations, like help us raise money for this and this and this. And it was hard. Like we were feeling like personally a little stressed out about where to focus our energy. And so anyway, long story short, we started the foundation and we knew we wanted to focus on funding LGBTQ organizations, but we started kind of doing research and looking at the numbers and there's just a really, really like intense need for money for LGBTQ organizations that uh, research and represent and fund women's programs and youth and young girls programs. And we were kind of excited by that. We were like, great, this is a focus for us and it really ties into our, our audience. But within a few more months, it was like, oh, we need to even focus more. And so we're really trying to not just raise money and write grants, but also like create programs and have the kind of conversation that we can have because we can get in the door with some of these organizations to mm-hmm. to center women and girls, specifically women of color and trans women, because they're just they're even more under researched and underfunded. And it's been great. I mean, it's long. It's hard. We joke sometimes where I'm like, why did we do this? It's like we took on a second full time <laughs> job. And there's so much to learn. And, you know, we spent a lot of last year meeting with organizations and talking about where the issues in the community lie. And we, you know, we're not raising millions and millions of dollars right now. So we're really having to use our skills as indie musicians to stretch a dollar. And we're trying to fundraise and... And you fundraised on the... You yeah. had your recent tour yeah. uh, for the 10th anniversary of the con. Yeah. And it seemed like people really... Your fans really donated and came oh, out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as we get creative and find places like that to to raise funds the money comes in we mm-hmm. just have to keep 
being creative. Sarah yeah. just to keep coming up with creative ways for us to. <laughs> but people love it. People feel engaged. And we're not trying to raise thousands of dollars from each person. We're really encouraging our audience to give a dollar or five dollars, especially women in our community. We tend not to give as much. And, and I think there's a lot of need in the community right now. And I think we get scared that that five dollars isn't going to do much. But we're fundraising for organizations that $5,000 is like their entire budget for the year, you know, and we can really make a difference. So I, I hope our community hears our call and also that men in our community, you mm-hmm. know, women have been the backbone of a lot of the, you know, LGBTQ issues that centered around men for decades now. And like, just because our organization is centering women and girls doesn't mean that a lot of these organizations don't have programs that support men or that the mm-hmm. center doesn't support men and so I hope men will step up as well and it doesn't have to be for our organization just that they get involved in something other than themselves step up to the streets yeah um step up 3d (laughs) step up revolution (laughs) (laughs) all of the step ups um tell people how they can donate and get involved sure yeah the tegan and sarah foundation.org is where we exist as a website and you know, the goal actually for us is to start making it easier to donate. Just, I mean, websites, sometimes I say a website to someone and you can see that they're like, oh yeah, websites. How do those work again? So <laughs> we're trying to figure we're, out. They're we're, like the Apple computer. What's yeah. a computer? Or they're that like, commercial. Yeah. Yeah. What's a computer? It's, it's, they're like, do you have an app or something? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, why can't you just do the, do it yourself? Go to my bank. Um, so yeah, we're figuring out. And also engagement, like Tegan was saying, there are, you know, we've really centered community organizations who are... Um, um, doing fantastic work. They just need to be amplified. We we just want to connect the dots for people. There are, or they take the money and they turn around and they do something with right away. Like, yeah, like a lot of the organizations we initially wrote grants to, they were doing simple things. Like there was an organization in Florida where we donated and they were buying bus passes because a lot of times these places exist. They have great resources. Um, how do you get there? You know, what is the barrier that prevents the queer community from finding and accessing the resources? So some of our grant writing right now is very small, but it's extremely direct. It's like you gave us a dollar, that dollar went towards a bus pass and someone got to go and get counseling at an inner city organization. So and then some of the stuff that we're going to be doing over the next couple of years is more uh, is sort of like bigger programming. And some of our research has led us to a place where we can see that there are gaps. There is sort of like um, resources missing in the community. And we'll try to use the skills that we've built as a band to hopefully push that messaging out through some of our social media, both as the foundation and as the band. So we're really excited. It's all. For now, though, just go to the website yeah, and the sign website. up. Yeah, or My mom signed up. She gives monthly. Yeah, she does give monthly. Yeah. In Canadian. She's donating a lot of toonies and loonies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, can get, you can get involved. But it's really, I think the good thing that we learned from the contour is that people want to be engaged and they mm-hmm. want to be excited. And as, if we can make the connection shorter between how to get involved and how to do the work, people seem to get really excited. Great. Well, I want to thank you both for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. I'm yes. so glad by this wide range of topics we covered. <laughs> we covered everything. That's what we do on Keep It. <laughs> Makes me so happy. <laughs> I'd like to thank Tegan and Sarah and Kara and Lewis. And of course, tune in and South by Southwest for having us this week. This has been Keep It. We'll be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh... 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador.